Hi. Welcome to the CJB Sports Show podcast. Today's episode, we focus on the briar and curling. What does it take to be an expert pin collector? Why dress up as a nun to the briar? And Jeff Braun and I review men with brooms. Of course we do. It's the briar. What do we think of it? Yeah, that's on the podcast. The the nature of curling is it's a fun time, right? And it's cool sometimes to see people dressed up. So I put together this story on uh, some people I saw in the crowd that were wearing something a little bit unusual. When you go to a sporting event, you're bound to see some funny outfits. Tons of jerseys, but yeah, there's costumes too. However, curling doesn't have jerseys, really. At least yet, though Dynasty shirts and jackets for this year's Briar and Scotties are dope, but I digress. Point is, at a regular curling event, it's mostly just folks in coats. So that when someone is dressed up, it's that much more noticeable. Scan the crowd when Saskatchewan's on the ice, lots of green. But were those two women dressed as nuns? Well, they're Brenda Chickwin and Dorothy Moser, perhaps taking a break from observing the good book to take in some curling. Eh. No. <laughs> it's been... <laughs> Dorothy, how are you going to... I've had none for a long time. <laughs> So does that count? Whoops. Rewind. That's a good line. The people behind them were cracking up too, so I told them, I'm going to use it. <laughs> so let's get to the point. Why the nuns? Actually, we change costumes every day. Um... We've been doing this for uh, 13 years, I think. We're sisters. And so when we change, we try to find ideas for each day. And because we're sisters, we thought, why not the nuns? And do a briar sister act. And so that's where this one come from. But we, we just get ideas that'll try. And then we try to associate it somehow with curling. They show me a crucifix they've made with curling houses at the top and bottom with brooms across the middle. They also have meticulous rosaries with little curling rocks instead of beads. How long did it take to make those? A very long time. Because <laughs> she burnt her fingers numerous times. <laughs> uh, it did yeah, take no, a long it took, time. It took quite a while. I, I can't tell you exactly how long, but it no. was... The props are the hard part. Absolutely. So We do have a good book of curling. Yeah, we have a... The good book of curling. The good book of curling, yeah. <laughs> we do carry this with us. And what's inside there? Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not allowed to find it. Nope. Can't help but wonder what an actual nun would think of all this. Every year at the Briar, we try to, like the first day, we dressed in yellow because Manitoba's putting it on. Yep. So we cheered for Manitoba the first day. And so we do their colors. Last year in Saskatchewan, so we did green first day. And then we just kind of change them up all the the whole week. So you have a whole lineup of outfits ready, planned for each day then? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> we do. Okay, fair enough, but you must have a team. Okay, I'm cheering for Cooey. <laughs> well, I'm from Alberta and I'm cheering for Cooey. So what is it about curling? It's great socializing. We've met lots of people and it's... You know, and because we dress up, people come to us too, right? So we meet, but it's the curling, it's the socializing, it's absolutely getting together with my sister every year. 
It's a, just a great time. A great excuse. <laughs> I grab a photo of them when we're done because, I mean, obviously, they're nuns at a curling rink. And they say they're used to it. The next day's outfit, lumberjack, because it doesn't get much more Canadian than that. Briar, lots of people in the stands with Nova Scotia fans. Uh, I think they're friends and family of the players, but they're wearing those yellow rain sewester hats. Learned what that term was today. A lot of green in the stands when Saskatchewan is playing. You got the moose call for Northern Ontario. You got good signs from Yukon. Yukon do it. Walking around the concourse of West Oba Place here. It's not a big arena, but it's perfect for curling. When I first got here yesterday, I tried to get my bearings, and I noticed this enormous table filled with pins, and I thought, i got to talk to this guy, so I put together this piece. If you've ever been to a Briar or a Scotty's or the Roar of the Rings, you've definitely seen pins everywhere on hats, on lapels, in the gift shop, different designs, different years. People love collecting them, but few collect them like Keith Forbes does. Right in on the frames here, I think it's a little over 6,000. What's the oldest one? The oldest one here is about 1932 McDonald Briar heart pin. It's right there in the corner there. Keith is from small little Hardiny, Manitoba, 50 or so minutes southwest of Brandon. Yeah, the ones that's in the frames here are my own personal ones, and I, I won't trade them and whatnot. So that's kind of a show-and-tell thing? Yeah. The ones on the table, how does it work? Someone brings you a pin, and it's um, kind of like a one-for-one? One? Yeah, it's mostly one-for-one. I've started now, I start selling some of my club pins because I'm getting too darn many of the duplicates, but uh, I just sell them for $5, unless there's some that I've bought just recently, and I might go up as high as 7 or 8 on them because that's what it's cost me to get them. He and a few other collectors are set up on the concourse at West Toba Place, but he admits there are not a lot of his type out there. There really is not many other collectors, even in Manitoba right now. There's only about two of us, and and uh, we're all getting up to the age where some of us are passing away, and some are saying to hell with it and trying to get rid of their collection. And but uh, I still get a lot of enjoyment out of it, meeting people, and and that there is the crux of why Keith enjoys this so much. What I like about it to get out and you meet people and. Every time you get together in this, it's just like a big family reunion. There's half a dozen of us traders, and we all get together and trade some more pins and shoot a lot of BS. <laughs> now you might be wondering, where do all these pins sleep when they're not on display? I keep them down in the basement of the, my house and whatnot. And my wife won't let me move upstairs with any, but uh, all told, I must have about 30-plus frames, and I got... The, the briars and the worlds and the, the better ones are pinned up on the walls and whatnot. And you might also ask, if he's got all these thousands of pins, could there possibly be one he doesn't have? Well, right now I've been looking for a 1915 Manitoba Curling Association pin. I've only ever seen one of them. And uh, nobody seems to know where there is any, but I'm sure there's, they're out there if you could find them. And that's, you said 1915. Yeah, 1915. It's 104 years. Yep. <laughs> if there is one, I don't know what kind of shape it's going to be in. Well, it might be in pretty good shape, actually. Some of the older guys, they, they might, might even keep it in uh, their 
safety deposit box or something. But uh, they're pretty hard to come by. But like I picked up, there's there's two 1913s here, so I'm just keeping them to see if I can maybe trade it for, for a 1915. So who has it then? It'll be some family that maybe their grandfather did a lot of curling at one time or belonged to the Manitoba Curling Association. And it's, uh, I don't know, it just seems to fall down in the family and whatnot. And there was a fellow that stand uh, at uh, Glenborough there. He's the only one that I ever known that had one. And, and he passed away here in, in November. And his son ended up getting all his collection. And he still wouldn't part with that one pin. <laughs> So while Keith waits for his white whale pin, it's time for me to find something to take home. I don't have anything to trade, but lucky for me, there's a giveaway bucket to try to get people hooked on the trade. And since my mom is from Sudbury, I figured there might be something in there for me. I know there was one out in it. Ow. It might be gone, too. That's okay. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a Sudbury one right there. Well, you can... Their sponsor Yeah. Oh, this was the, a briar, a Sudbury briar. Well... That's not great. Okay, that's my mom. She'll appreciate that. Yeah. There we go. Makes. I think I gotta go back up there. They gave me three pins as a welcome uh, gift after I made that piece. They handed me some pins, so I might have to just try to find a, an old one. Try to find one maybe from back home somewhere in London. They got so many pins on this enormous table. It's really fascinating to see. And, uh, yeah, you'll walk around. You go to the gift shop. They've got Brandon pins in there. I remember going to the uh, the Roar of the Rings in December of 2017, bringing back a bunch of pins for my curling team, and they were really appreciative of that. So maybe I have to get some souvenirs here to bring back home. So every other Tuesday at this time, Jeff Braun and I, Watch and review a sports movie could be... Usually, we try to make sure it's an, an older one. It's not three years old. We watched Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. That's the newest one we've watched. But uh, we go back into the 2000s now for Men With Brooms. Had you seen Men With Brooms before, Jeff? I have never seen Men With Brooms before. Okay. I, I sort of have an aversion to Paul Gross. Ah... Uh, I think he's like an affable, charming guy. I'm just not a huge fan. Have you ever seen his movie Passchendaele? Yes. Yeah. Saw that in theaters and cried. Did, oh. I, it was in high my school. friends and I did not enjoy it at oh, all. Okay. We thought it was going to be like our Saving Private Ryan, and then, you know, he turned out not to be Steven Spielberg. I'm not sure that we put I fair was, expectations okay. on him. I was 16, so and we watched it in, in our history class at the movie theater, which was a cool field trip. I just remember the kid that played the brother was just... Oh. Terrible. Yeah. Anyways, he's obviously the engine here. He's star, director, co-writer. Even wrote some of the score. He's basically Bradley Cooper before Bradley Cooper. Well, <laughs> no Oscar buzz for Paul Gross <laughs> in this, though. Why are all the sports movies about hard scrabble mining towns, small towns? It's just got to blue collar it up. This is called uh, Long Bay, Ontario. It's a place that doesn't actually exist. No, there's a North Bay. Yeah. There's a Thunder Bay. Yeah. It's no Long Bay. The mine shots. Is it Ontario? Yeah, it is. Okay. The mine, mining shots are in Sudbury, Ontario, and the okay. curling scenes are shot in Hamilton and uh, Brampton. But it's about this 
team that broke up and then they're brought back together a decade later when their old coach dies and then the last will and testament they put the ashes in this curling stone and they ask to put it at the center of the golden broom which isn't the briar i thought it was a stand-in for the briar yeah. but then they actually do mention the briar right in the movie so it's like no this is its own tournament that doesn't actually exist and the trophy is not a golden broom not just some trophy why call it the golden room and i couldn't nail down this this tournament vexed me because <laughs> every all the participating teams represent cities all like small towns but- yeah but uh, but also butte montana and all, the only other ones i picked up were ontario cities or bc cities medicine hear, hat and, sarnia was there kingston yeah didn't hear anything about manitoba or saskatchewan uh, even though jeff stoughton was there in a cameo and then the best cameo of all time, though, was the Tragically Hip. <laughs> As Kingston. Representing Kingston, the Tragically Hip, and they just like, eh, wait, But it wasn't eh. even like they're playing just normal dudes. They're actually the Tragically Hip. Yeah. That was, so that was cool to that see. That cracked me up. Yeah. So this is... Uh, but so that th- tournament and the rules of the tournament were not evidently cl- not clear from the outset. It took like after two days of the tournament, they're like, hey, if they win this, they're in the final. And I was like, oh, okay. What? Okay. Let's go back a bit here. They <laughs> they have some family turmoil. We, we look, take a look at the four characters. There's the lead, who is this guy that hates his fam- his wife, because yep. and he's a funeral home director, and he just really is not enjoying life at She's all. She's cold and stuck up, yep. and cheats on him. He wants to kind of find something to break free of that. I bury dead people. The second is happily married, but he can't uh, can't get his wife pregnant That's, as much as they try. I have a single digit sperm count. Jed Rees, he also you ever see the you probably didn't do the Chris Isaac show. Singer no. Chris Isaac had his own sitcom slash drama that was made in Vancouver and this guy was in it because he's Canadian and Chris Isaac and his band played themselves as the main characters and then this guy was inserted into the band he wasn't really in their band in real life but they made him a character on the show and he did all the terrible stuff that the real life band members didn't want to portray themselves okay. as doing on TV. Okay. So he was this fit in especially okay. with the donating uh, there's all sorts of sex stuff in it. Okay. But, yeah. The third is a crazy guy who gets into some trouble and is a womanizer, and there's this big guy who tries to get his money. and The badass. Yeah. I'm a drug dealer. And then the skip is Paul Gross, who's the coach's daughter he left at the altar, and then the other daughter he has a thing with, too, or she has a thing for him. It's the love triangle kind of portion of the story I'm not really into. That is, like, the weirdest flex. There's too much stuff going on. Like, it makes sense if Gross has a history with... One woman in this town, and they and then they work their stuff out. But here it's two, and they're sisters, and he gets them both throughout the movies. And if he wasn't, you know, the writer, director, star of this thing, I don't know that that all would have happened. That's correct. This is a very much a Paul Gross fever dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Leslie Nielsen appears as Paul Gross's dad. I just love Leslie Nielsen. Magical mushrooms. Rest assured that I have no commercial aspirations whatsoever. These mushrooms are. He was good. I thought he'd be a little funnier. I thought the whole movie would be a little funnier. I, I didn't laugh. Yeah, it's, yeah, I didn't laugh all that much. There were some moments, that, but there are also a lot of moments where I look and say, why are all those beavers there? Do they really need all those beavers on that the road? so weird. <laughs> they that almost look like so CGI weird. beavers. Well, at the beginning, they show a couple of beaver shots. and uh, They're fake. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like smiling. It's like, 2002. Yeah. Uh, Leslie Nielsen, though, he made a... Joke about he's like yeah she's from the Saddam Hussein School of Physiotherapy that made me laugh. I out laughed loud. out loud at that one. That was too. the best part. Just and that's the physio scene where he's like she looks like a woman, but ninety percent of it was his delivery. Spawn of Satan. <laughs> so that was funny. Eventually they they fork out their differences. They get back together. There's the training scenes of getting back in shape for the Golden Broom. But then Paul Gross. 
he he was not honest. They burned the stone and he never reported it. Here's the thing. If Ouch. you burn a stone as a sweeper, that's on you to call. Not the person that threw it. Not the person calling line in the house. How would he even notice it from that far away? If you're sweeping Usually, and it hits properly. your foot, you're going to know. Yeah, and, exactly. And in curling, you call it But I'm saying, how would Paul Gross not know? He's far enough away that he probably wouldn't have seen it. Right. Certainly not if the other guy didn't notice it. That's true. So that, as, as someone who's watched curling for his whole life and has played curling, there are a lot of issues with the actual curling in this film. Continuity mistakes with the scores. There's the setups which in is, the houses don't make sense a lot of times. It's like, oh, there's a bunch of rocks here. And they get one. It's like, oh, no. Which is it. weird because it's, to our knowledge, the only curling movie yeah. that they should have tried harder on that score with. You know what I mean? This is a movie that is very, very Canadian. And it's and, and in a way that I, I oh yeah, all but I like it. Canadian. All the music's Canadian. They got Our Lady Peace. They got I'm There's on the a Earth. herd of beavers. They've got, <laughs> they've got them walking in the dark to poets by Tragically Hip. And that that song didn't match that walk at, at all. all. But it's Paul Gross's movie, and it's very yeah. clear that he wanted that shot. So in the end, they, get, they win the golden broom when the rocks. Okay. Burns a rock again, calls it this time, then they get another shot the at it. The team that you think is a bunch of stuck-up weirdos from Butte, Montana. Is that, oh, so, so they're Americans to boot. Yes. So they, he they makes this, instead of doing the around-the-house thing, he throws a rock as hard as he can. It blows up, lands on the button. They get two and they win. Guess what? You cannot do that with a curling stone. Really? Oh, to make it explode like that? You can't make it explode no, like that. Not from throwing it no. normally down and a sheet a, of ice. And it's a movie, and we should suspend disbelief. But yeah. come on, man. Yeah. Okay, I got a couple other nitpicks here. Okay. Uh, are we buying the ice sheet in the barn business? Nope. Nope, not at all. Also, there's no snow anywhere outside. What season is this? Yeah. What month is yeah, this? Yeah, no kidding. It's not even winter, is it? Well, it might be like fall I or didn't even spring, notice. but if, if, if it is that, it, then... There's no way you have ice in the barn. Okay. This, the thing that plays the worst probably 18 years later from when this was made, and it probably didn't play great back then, is the tone they use about that one sister's alcoholism, oh. including the humor on display when she falls off the wagon, which is never a funny thing. That is a tragic thing. Most of us know someone who that has happened to, and the last thing it is is funny. I was shocked that they did that. It's like, wow, that is weird. And then the other sister's an astronaut. Yeah. Oh, what? Uh, yeah. And if that guy or that's her boss is as any authority over at NASA, they are in trouble because that guy was dumb. And the other thing, and this is in conjunction with the other movies we've done at this point, we've had Bob Uecker in Major League, Jim Nance and Tin Cup. Do we expect better from the announcers in these movies? That it often plays an important role because they got to explain what's going on, especially to, especially in curling, but right. we were some of the audience. Intended audience may not know the rules. Uh, I don't know. Gross should have worked on their dialogue or got someone to punch it up. I mean, he clearly knows everyone in Canadian showbiz. Get some comedians to take a pass at it because it was not funny at all. The announcers, the only, the announcers is just funny. pounding coffee and then it was beer and it was Pepsi and he was just highly caffeinated. But Why? it wasn't funny. There weren't no, any it jokes. Wasn't, and I don't like the idea of that they can hear you within the arena. Yeah, that was like weird. That. Right? Not especially. A televised tournament yeah. like the Golden The Bird. ploy that they used to describe the game was wasn't even the announcers. It was in the original scene when they're playing the old dudes, and the two sisters are explaining it to the ditzy woman how curling works. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was the ploy. All right. So in the end, we can all just agree that this is just Paul Gross's passion project, and it he just he wanted to make a Canadian sports movie, and this yeah. is what he did. It's 42 pounds of polished granite, the beveled underbelly and a handle a human being can hold. 
and it may have no practical purpose in and of itself, but it is a repository of human possibility, and if it's handled just right, it will exact a kind of poetry. They should have actually honestly given the script to the late, great Bob Pickin and said, dude, the parts where it says announcer, you write in what you would say. Okay. And that would have been great. So, final thoughts? Final thoughts was uh, it was pretty disappointing. <laughs> For a comedy, I didn't laugh a whole lot. I I give it. I like the milk shots with the kids at the bar. That was cool. I'll give it. It, it was pretty ambitious. I'll give them that. So because you because you don't see movies like it was original, right? To as cliche as it was, it was also original because you've never seen a curling movie That's true. before. That's true. Yeah. So I get points for that. I'll, I'll give it. I don't know six magic mushrooms out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give it uh, three burn stones out of five. Nice. Check out the CJOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. with Christian O'Mell and the Sports Show Podcast. Not available on iTunes, not available on Google Podcasts, not available anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. Yes. <laughs>